Hello and welcome to Unbossed. I am your host, Nina Turner. And in the co-host chair today, we have none other than Yasmin Khan in the house, a breakdown contributor here at TYT. Yasmin, it's so good to have you back on the show. Happy to be back, thank you. Yes, and we got a rip roaring show for folks today. We're gonna start off on the lighter side of things. Well, kind of, sort of light. Representative Adam Schiff was censored by the House GOP. Yeah, the same GOP House of Representatives where there is Representative Santos. In today's episode of Petty Politics, we find that Rep Adam Schiff, Democrat from California, was censored by the Republican House. Take a look. On this vote, the A's are 213 and the nays are 209. With six answering present, the resolution adopted. Without objection, the motion to consider is relayed on the table. House will be in order. Now things got a little rowdy as some members of the House Dem Caucus voiced their displeasure with the actions being taken by the Republicans. This. They've turned it into a puppet show, a puppet show. And you know what? The puppeteer, Donald Trump, is shining a light on the strings. You look miserable. You look miserable. There is nothing Gentleman's time in is this motion, this Gentleman's resolution. Time is expired. That is true. One of my colleagues says, We will hold members accountable. You are the party of George Santos. <laughs> Who are you holding accountable? The guy is an alleged and acknowledged liar and indicted, and you protect him every day. Today, we meet not to lower the costs of prescription drugs, nor to protect the voting rights of the people, nor to protect the health care choices of women across America, because we know they're definitely not interested in that. No, we meet rather for another stop on the GOP's endless revenge tour against Democrats who dared to tell the truth about Donald Trump and his repeated sellouts and betrayals of the American people over the last six years. You are the party of George Santos on a t-shirt, baby. That's where that needs to go. I mean, that's all that needs to be said. So why is this happening? Well, according to Representative Luna of Florida, it all stems to the 2016 Russia interference investigation. And here was Representative Luna last week first bringing the resolution forward. Whereas it is determined by an investigation conducted by the Committee on Ethics that Representative Schiff lied, made representations, and abused sensitive information, he should be fined the amount of $16 million. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the House of Representatives censures and condemns Adam Schiff, representative of California's 30th Congressional District, for conduct that misleads the American people in a way that is not befitting of an elected member of the House of Representatives. Representative Adam Schiff will forthwith present himself to the well of the House of Representatives for the pronouncement of censure. Representative Schiff will then be censured with a public reading of this resolution by the Speaker, and the Committee on Ethics shall conduct an investigation into Representative Adam Schiff's lies, misrepresentations, and abuses of sensitive information. Now, let us get this straight. That was Representative Luna laying out why they censored Representative Schiff. $16 million fine. The censor condemns conduct that is misleading, that misleads the American people. Are you kidding me? This has got to be a joke. You want to talk about conduct that has misled the American people? The poster child himself, George Santos. Unfortunately, he is not alone, but come on, y'all. I mean, Republicans, really? Y'all definitely, you you get the, you and the winner is, I mean, and the Academy Award goes to, for petty politics, the House GOP. So, yes, I mean, I just can't with this. I mean, they are really taking this all away. They finding the man $16 million, saying he has misled the American people, conduct unbecoming. I mean, they went all the way with this. Yeah, that was my favorite part. Adam Schiff being censured for displaying behavior unbecoming of a congressperson is really something, especially considering one of the stories that we're gonna cover later on this show. So the Republicans, they just censured Representative Schiff for allegedly misleading the public regarding Russia's involvement in our elections. 
And now they're also talking about impeaching President Biden for essentially carrying out different policies from the ones that they would like for him to carry out. The Durham report, which was done in response to the Mueller report, basically an investigation into an investigation, took four years to complete and cost over 6.5 million in taxpayer dollars. And it didn't yield any new information, nor did its findings have any practical applications. Now the Republicans want to do another investigation into Adam Schiff over the comments that got him censured. And again, they're touting this as a victory, but what did they actually practically accomplish with any of this? What good is this doing to the American people? They are wasting our money, they're wasting everyone's time, and they're doing it to distract from the, to distract the public from what's going on with Trump right now. What's happening with Trump is a huge deal, and in true Trump fashion, it is quite unprecedented. It's something that should be spoken about, but we're not going to hear about it from them because they are, for reasons we can only speculate about, still beholden to him. But if I was a Republican voter, I would be offended that this is what my elected officials have chosen to do with their positions in government. People. Myself included, love to give the Democrats a hard time for being ineffective. But I would argue that being obstructionist and regressive is worse. Well, there it is. Obstructionist, worse, wasting time and wasting money. And let's go a little deeper, Yasmin, on this. The resolution claims that Schiff misled the American public over the course of congressional investigations into Trump campaign's potential ties to Russia. Given that other probes have not found conclusive evidence that Trump colluded with Russia to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. Now the original resolution failed, so what changed? The GOP's Wizard of Oz, President Donald J. Trump scared the living daylights out of them. That is what changed. Check out this post on Truth Social a day after Luna's resolution was proposed. Anna Paulina Luna is a star. Of course she is, she never gives up, especially in holding total lowlifes like Adam Shifty Shift, responsible for their lies, deceit, deception, and actually putting our country at great risk, for which he should be imprisoned. He is a leaker and a scoundrel. Any Republican voting against his censure or worse should immediately be primary. There are plenty of great candidates out there, I mean, and the king of petty is none other than Donald J. Trump. And we're not making this up. Again, a Lifetime movie is on the way. Schiff has released his own video following the censor. Take a look. So tonight the Republicans in the House voted to censure me. And let me see if I can break down what this was all about. A representative from Florida who's one of the extreme MAGA Republicans named Luna, ironically, introduced a resolution last week to censure me. It failed. One out of every 10 Republicans voted against this abuse of the House process. Uh, she brought it back this week, uh, and the main difference was that Donald Trump put out a statement saying that any Republican that voted against this censure would be or should be subject to a primary challenge. Uh, and as his threats have often done in the past, it worked. To abuse the censure this way um, is something that's never been done before, and they hope to chill others from doing what I did. It's not going to deter me, I promise you that, but they hope it will deter others. Uh, and we need to fight back. Well, fight back indeed. Then at the House Judiciary Committee hearing yesterday, Republicans brought forth special counsel John Durham, whom they propped up as a key player in the Trump Russia investigation. But during the hearing, check out what happened. Yeah, I mean, I think if you read what's in the cable and what's in the report, is that what the uh, diplomats uh, reported was. There was a suggestion of a suggestion that the Russians could help. They had damaging information as to Mrs. Clinton. Um, and By releasing it anonymously, right? And that's exactly what happened, isn't it? I, I, I don't I don't. You really don't know? Yes, they did. Through DC leaks. Well, in your mind, it's yes. Well, <laughs> Mueller's answer was yes. More important than mine, Mueller's answer was yes. Now, that information, of course, was helpful to the Trump campaign, wasn't it? I don't, I don't think there's any question, but that the Russians intruded into, um, well, I just want to act get... into the systems, they released information. And that was helpful to the Trump campaign, right? And the, and the conclusion in the ICA and in the uh, Mueller investigation was that the Russians intended to assist. Can you answer my question, Mr. Durham? That was helpful to the Trump campaign, right? Yeah, that's.
Well, be careful who you put up there on the stand. Was it helpful to the Trump campaign? Mr. Durham basically said, well, yeah, it was. Now, why did the Republicans prop up John Durham? I'm so glad you asked. Russia, Republicans looked in or looked to prop up Durham's report, insisting that insisting the FBI should not have investigated possible collusion between Trump and Russia in the 2016 election. Durham repeatedly tried to downplay the seriousness of Russia offering the Trump campaign help and the Trump campaign's eagerness to accept that help. That reporting coming from the Daily Beast. So Yasmin, I mean, their star witness really was not necessarily their star witness. I mean, he proved out what Representative Adam Schiff was talking about all along. Yeah, you know, the irony of all of this is just how much the GOP complained about the Mueller investigation while it was going on. And then when they got the report, finally, Bill Barr initially blocked its key finding from the public. And so it kind of watered down a lot of its key revelations. And if you'll remember, Barr was the one who then tapped Durham to investigate the Mueller investigation. And you know, it's embarrassing how much the GOP is still kowtowing to Trump in his his tweets or truths, whatever they are. The man is not in office. And even if he doesn't go to jail soon, he's not going to be the president again. The GOP really needs to think about its future and how it plans to brand itself going forward. Yeah, all good points, Jasmine. We will see. I mean, so far, Republican primary voters are really still leaning very strongly into former President Donald J. Trump, unfortunately. But your point is well taken. What who do the Republicans want to be when they grow up, if they ever grow up? Are they or are they going to continue to be held hostage by President Donald J. Trump and his voters? We will see. We're gonna keep on going down the petty brick road because we are on the petty brick road right now on Unboss. The Marjorie Taylor Green and Lauren Boebert beef is reaching new lows. Take a look at the exchange on the House floor yesterday. This is it. They're talking to one another, as you can see, and Marjorie Taylor Green is making some, you know, making her comments known, and Boebert is. Listening and talking back. This is what's happening between these two. Now, according to reporting from the Daily Beast, we might have some clue as to what was said. This headline reveals it all. Marjorie Taylor Greene calls Boebert a little B-I-T-C-H on the House floor. Let's get ready to rumble. So why the fireworks? They're fighting over President Joseph R. Biden. Yep. That's it. The angry exchange came as the two lawmakers have been swiping at each other over the competing resolutions to impeach President Joe Biden, reporting from the Daily Beast. But tensions came to a head on Wednesday after Boebert leveraged a procedural tool to force a vote on her own impeachment resolution within days, undercutting Green, who had offered her own resolution, but not with the procedural advantages of forcing a vote. Well, now, Representative Green, you better do your homework, baby. And that's when everything apparently went haywire. According to two sources that saw the exchange, and a third familiar with the matter, the back and forth began when Boebert approached Green, then seated in the chamber and confronted her over a statement you made about me publicly. All three of the sources said Green called Boebert a B-I-T-C-H. One of the sources said Green called her a little B-I-T-C-H, cuz you know, little, big, <laughs> what difference does it make? They calling each other. B-I-C-T-H's. The name calling was confirmed by another GOP lawmaker and another source who witnessed the exchange. Okay, Marjorie, we're through. It's over. The relationship is over. I'm walking out the door. Bobart didn't say, didn't say it, shrugged her shoulders with Bobart's back turn. Green responded, We were never together. Ooh, we baby, when your lover drops you like that, dropping it like it's hot. Reach for a comment about the exchange. Boebert didn't deny the back and forth. Yeah, I called her a B-I-C-T-H and she called me one too, but I let her know, baby, it's over. I never liked you like that anyway. Now, now, they are all so desperate and petty. And when it comes down to it, the fact that these two chicks are elected officials in the United States. Congress does say something about the state of our nation. And once again, my stunt double was on a roll and she dropped the mic herself. 
Americans are hungry, unhoused, and these two are doing this. Marjorie Taylor Greene calls Bo Bird a little, we got it on the house or the floor. So they both called each other names. I say instead of having these petty spats, just put it all out there like they do in the UK. <laughs> Take a look. PM is detained on urgent business. shown that we have done things that people thought were impossible, Mr. Speaker, and, and that we- It's the Labour Party, it's the Lib Dems, it's the Coalition of Chaos, it's the Guardian reading, to- tofu eating, woke- Yeah, they really show us how to do it over there. So Yasmin, I mean, <laughs> this is what has come to in the House of Representatives. I kind of like the fire, so I just say, hey, let it rip. When she's saying guardian reading, tofu eating liberals, that's funny. That's pretty good. But <laughs> you know, like this whole thing would be much more fun if they weren't being paid with our taxpayer money. This was like a scene from Mean Girls. It was very entertaining, but it also went like a little bit infuriating. They both just want credit for doing a thing, right? Green is bragging about how she's been trying to impeach Biden since before he even took office, which is such a blatant admission of the fact that this impeachment is a farce in and of itself, that it's all the more comical that anyone would take her seriously. But now she's mad that Bobert swept in behind her and stole her thunder. So I say let them fight. If they're fighting each other, maybe it's in everyone else's best interest. Keep them busy. This will only serve to further divide the GOP. We already saw that happening a little bit with Kevin McCarthy's election. So, you know, up until recently, the GOP has always displayed a very formidable homogeneity. So I say, let them fight, whatever. Yeah, since they're already on the path of destruction, who are we to stand in their way? Good exactly. God Almighty. We will definitely keep you. Look, the petty is rolling and it is rolling strong. So we're going to keep you briefed on. Episodes. We're gonna have many segments about the petty. We'll be right back after this. Wrap your minds around all of it. And welcome back to the show. Now, why don't you become a member of TYT for $4.99 a month? You can help TYT, help us continue to do the great work that we do, strengthen us, continue to keep us strong as an independent media source. You know you want to become a member. We need you, so do that. Now, also for Unboss, we appreciate everybody that is watching live. But when you watch a video on demand, do that. Send the link to somebody. Go ahead, put that smartphone up there and capture that cute code. Watch us on video on demand. Make sure that you like and subscribe. We need you to do that. Now on to my favorite part of the show, your comments on Twitch. Wax Philip Topical, I just, I don't care about their empty words. What are they actually going to do aside from Bluster, very good question. Inquiring minds do want to know. Power on reset, black mirror politics. <laughs> I hear you, darling. On YouTube Super Chat, Joe C, I need to understand why there are no term limits for SCOTUS for the Supreme Court of the United States. Yes, in the Constitution, no term limits. So there we have it. Lifetime appointments. Joni King, great afternoon, Senator Turner and Yasmin Khan with a hug. Thank you, we are sending hugs back to you, baby. Great afternoon. And our TYT member, Sexy Speed Racer. <laughs> Hello, Sexy Speed Racer, Representative Luna Tick. <laughs> Sexy Speed Racer, that was a good one, you got it, that's beautiful. And Crystal Braden. Petty Brick Road. <laughs> I know, Crystal, I thought of that like just in the spur of the moment, just came to me. Petty Brick Road. I like that. Gotta figure out how to work that into my vernacular. <laughs> no, that's right. Oh, thank you all so much for all of your comments, Jasmine, and I really enjoyed this. And for those we didn't get to today, Thank you anyway, maybe we'll try to get to some more by the end of the show. But we appreciate you, those of you who watch live, you just make this show so robust. We appreciate you very much. Now on to some somber news, the subway. There's breaking, or the submarine, excuse me, updates. Breaking, 
news, unfortunately, before we get into the story on the missing submarine. According to breaking news by the Associated Press, all five people aboard are believed to be dead, according to the company OceanGate Expeditions. Now, prior to this tragedy, a CBS story on the Titan submarine, which has gone viral, and we know why. Take a look. Metal submersible vessel that has not been approved or certified by any regulatory body and could result in physical injury, disability, emotional trauma, or death. Where do I sign? Oh, take your shoes off, that's customary. Okay. Wow. Inside, the sub has about as much room as a minivan. So, this is not your grandfather's submersible. <laughs> we only have one button, that's it. It should be like an elevator. You know, it shouldn't take a lot of skill. And yet, I couldn't help noticing how many pieces of this sub seemed improvised. We can use these off-the-shelf components. I got these from uh, Camper World. We run the whole thing with this game controller. <laughs> Come on! Now, these were comments made again before the submarine uh, went down and before we found out before they even took the trip, obviously. Our condolences to the family and friends of the people who died in this submarine. I wanna bring in Yasmin before we go any further. And also to let you all know that years before the submarine went missing, OceanGate was warned about major safety issues. Yasmin. Yeah, you know, a lot of people in comment sections under news articles about this story are upset that the story is getting so much coverage. And to an extent, I certainly see where they're coming from and I agree with them to a certain extent, right? But the reason it's getting so much coverage is because for one, it's a very unusual story that speaks to some macabre obsession that we all sort of have with not only death, but isolation and loneliness and darkness and helplessness. But on top of that, this story is such an interesting depiction of classism, something that Americans in particular, I think, are generally less willing to acknowledge outright as an influential and really integral component of our society. But even on top of all of that, the issue of regulation is a glaring one, particularly in the way that it's often seen as an opposing force to ego, right? Everyone wants to be a disruptor, everyone wants to be first, everyone wants to be the one to change the world for everyone else. People are obsessed with legacy and memory because ironically, we have this morbid obsession with death. In the case of the Titan and OceanGate, safety concerns were dismissed and safety regulations were nixed because someone with a lot of money wanted to do something great for the sake of doing something great for the sake of ego, even if that meant sacrificing the safety of others. And unfortunately, this isn't at all an unusual occurrence in our world, but this Issue, this whole tightened fiasco, it is a very acute example of that phenomena exactly, which is probably another reason why this story has been so impactful to so many people. Yeah, true that, Yasmin. And as we can see, of course, before the submarine went down, the footage that we showed when he was reading the stipulations, what could possibly happen, and he joyfully said, Sign me up. The point that you're making about regulations, I mean, I, sometimes you got to protect people from themselves. And I just don't understand who on God's green earth thought that this was a good idea and thought it was okay to allow them to do this. That is, to your point, why regulations are important. Now, this reporting from CBS News, lawsuits and industry experts have raised serious safety concerns about the project years before the sub's disappearance. <laughs> In 2018, a professional trade group warned that Ocean Gate's experimental approach to the design of the Titan could lead to potentially catastrophic outcomes, according to a letter from the group obtained by CBS News. And unfortunately, they proved to be prophetic in this instance. That same year, an employee of OceanGate raised safety concerns about the Titan's design and the company's protocol for testing the hull's reliability. The employee, David Lockridge, was fired by OceanGate after airing his complaints to government regulators and OceanGate's management, with the latter then suing him for breach of con contract. You know, they got some nerves, and I hope that that employee can, you know, get and thank God that employee had the, the decency and the moral 
uh, fortitude to say something is wrong and to report it to the Fed so that something can be done. And I hope that he can sue them again. They need to be put out of business. State, federal government, don't play with these fools. Put them out of business, they just killed people. And you were forewarned before this happened. So there are a lot of people who were complicit and a lot of people who have some blood on their hands for this. My stunt double weighed in on the issue referring to the, the viral CBS report. This is a glaring example of how important regulation is, duh. You know, I mean, my two year old and my four, three year old, they understand that. Toddlers understand that they need regulations. And then you got folks who got power who playing the game, playing these games because of money. And as Yasmin laid out there, I mean, just what, bored to death, bored to tears, you gotta do stuff like this? It just doesn't make any sense. This is a sad and ridiculous loss of life. It should not never have happened. Now, Ocean Gate CEO Stockton Rush explained how the company picks their pilots. Stockton Rush is one of the five passengers. Rush said he valued captains who were inspirational over experience. Really? Noting that anybody can drive the sub, which is controlled with a thirty with a thirty dollar video game controller. Man, I mean I really I do. I side deeply on this. Rush stated, I wanted our team to be younger. To be inspirational, and I'm not going to inspire a 16-year-old to go pursue marine technology, but a 25-year-old, you know, who's a sub pilot or a platform operator or one of our techs can be inspirational. So we're really tired or tried, excuse me, to get very intelligent, motivated younger individuals involved because we're doing things that are completely new. Longevity has its place, I'm quoting Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Period, longevity does have its place. And in a lot of fields, you want people who got some seasoning on them. I mean, God bless younger folks, but you need, in some of these cases, you need a little seasoning. And unfortunately, they took this a little too lightly. Now, same, same submarine uh, submissible loss for five hours in 2022, OceanGate turned the Wi-Fi off. So this, this happened before. The feds know that this happened before. This is not new. They turned the Wi-Fi off on the mothership so passengers couldn't tweet out about the mishap. They should have been stopped then. CBS correspondent who previously went aboard the vessel said the following. The vessel got lost for several hours doing a dive in 2022. They could still send short texts to the sub but did not know where it was. Pole growth, it was quiet and very tense. And they shut off the ship's internet to prevent us from tweeting. Now, if that is not a red flag, I don't know what is. Now, it was estimated the vessel had, had, had most likely run out of oxygen this morning. An update, an update prediction by the US, an up an updated, excuse me, prediction by the US Coast Guard Wednesday said the Titan was likely to run out of oxygen around 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday. Yasmin, I mean, I really, I'll give you the final word on this. This is really sad and it was preventable. And that's why I'm kind of have a tone in my voice about this. Yeah, you know, of course, we have to remember that this was a voluntary trip that these people paid a lot of money for. But while they may have been made aware to some extent that this was an incredibly risky venture, I believe they signed waivers saying that there is a strong possibility that they might not make it back up above the ocean. I would assume that they trusted that all was being done that could have been done. But as we know now, that simply wasn't the case. And you would think that the story of the Titanic itself would have served as a warning. But history tends to repeat itself. We're seeing a lot of the same patterns from the Titanic disaster itself repeated here. And you know, with all the technological advancements that we've made over the past 100 years, we're still human and we're still susceptible to human shortcomings. You know, we're eager to push boundaries and prove ourselves, but we're hesitant to admit failure because it's just embarrassing. And that hardly seems worth the loss of life that we've seen here. Yes, yeah, definitely not worse. And one of our 
uh, viewers, David Morris, condolences to the family. A shame that the pilot didn't listen to all of the warnings from the experts. And and uh, David definitely condolences to the family. And this is really about the company, the company itself. And Yasmin, your points are certainly well taken, Warren. But people didn't totally understand that. I mean, certainly none of those people got aboard that submarine to die. You know, right. so it's, it's just, and anytime you got to sign something like that, I mean, that's already right there a glaring admission. That all is not right. The feds are culpable on this, state government is culpable. A whole bunch of people are culpable in this situation, unfortunately. Okay. Vivek, gross manipulation. GOP candidate Vivek is pathetic, and here's why. Just arriving in Kensington, pulling up on a street corner here. We're already seeing a lot of drug use on the streets. Old manufacturing buildings that have now been converted into wastelands. We're not running to lead a political party, we're running to lead a country here. Maybe 10 years from now, I think it can look very different than it does today. Today it looks like a zombie land. Oh, it is a zombie. That's what I mean, people say. This is a zombie land. Yeah, I mean, just look, just look around you. 360 degrees. They call them, uh, and there's there's government aid programs supposedly to set up shelters. You heard what they were calling them, right? Poverty pimps. Perfect. Yeah, which is basically people taking aid, siphoning it for themselves. They claim to build a shelter. It's just a tent. I'm just shaking my head. The man got a nerve to wear a hat with truth on it. Now, Vivek, he was in Philadelphia recording people and claiming that drug use was in plain sight. That was his claim. Is there a crisis going on in King Kensington? Absolutely. We got a crisis going all over going on all over the country. Kensington has been plagued by the opioid crisis for years. Now, another drug on Philadelphia streets is making the devastating situation catastrophic. According to medical toxicologists at Temple University, excellent lezine, a veterinary sedative can be found in 90% of the city's dope supply. And this is very, very, very dangerous. That said, Vivek's exploitation of people simply to boost his campaign is really despicable. He should be ashamed of himself, but he's not. Because if he had any shame, he wouldn't be out there doing this in the first place. Now, my stunt double was quick to remind him of the proper solution to this issue. You know, if in fact he wanted a solution, the answer is housing and healthcare. Using people's pain and suffering as a photo op is disgusting. These folks need help, not cameras in their faces. Now, what is this man even doing? He has no shot at winning the nomination, not at all, not even a long shot. He has no shot at winning the nomination. He's sticking to talking to talking points and exploitation of people who really do need help. Is this the kind of person that you want to be president of the United States of America? I would say not. Yasmin. Yeah, you know, he is so brave. He's a Republican in a blue city. He's such a hero, right? Yeah, this is gross. This guy gives me creepy vibes. And I feel like he he knows that this is a really gross stunt that he just pulled. You know, calling attention to a problem doesn't make you a viable political candidate. Or rather, it shouldn't make you a viable political candidate. Proposing practical solutions to those problems and then discussing how you intend to implement those solutions is what should matter. But if we learned anything from the 2015 Trump campaign, it's that Republicans don't care about solutions and they don't care about how things will get done. They just like people who complain about the same things that they complain about. And that's all well and good. But for someone that you want to elect as a leader, you should want and expect them to come with more than just complaints. And you know, some of the comments under this video on Twitter were talking about how he needs to be careful in those blue cities. And that's such a pet peeve of mine. Like, I have to tell you. People outside of cities really have no idea what goes on within them. They don't travel, some of them not even beyond their own neighborhoods. And I'm speaking from personal experience, like these are people that I know in my life who are like this. And it really, really shows. And this is a problem because we have a country full of people who don't understand one another. And when people don't understand things, they fear them. The Republican platform is rife with fear and that is very much by design. And Vivek is playing right into that hand. Their voters stay misinformed. They stay isolated and they stay fearful, which is exactly how the GOP likes them. Yeah, I mean, yes, it really is a case of painting people as the other. Because as long as you can make other people, then you really take away some of the compassion that 
people may have for their fellow human beings. The Republicans are, are very good at othering people. And that's exactly what he's doing in this situation. Now, if he actually wanted solutions, the solutions are out there on how we as a society, what is our social contract? What is our obligation to help those who need housing, to help those who are drug addicted? The American Medical Association's monthly journal, the JAMA Network, spoke to the realities of the unhoused who experience drug addiction. People experiencing homelessness are marginalized, often literally as witness in encampment clearings or sweeps. Federal funding favors research on the pharmacological treatments for addiction over research or intervention targeting the social and structural determinants of health, including housing. Consequently, many researchers and addiction practitioners may feel they are ill-equipped to address the seemingly insurmountable problem of homelessness. And so now we got our experts laying out exactly what the challenges are. Now citing a critical 2022 study, the journal goes further. Fine et al emphasize the need to expand evidence-based treatment and overdose prevention strategies for people experiencing homelessness who use drugs, including supervised injection sites, nicolene distribution, safer drug supply, and substance use treatment offered in both non-traditional and office-based settings. Further, such interventions are important, particularly when tailored to meet the needs of people experiencing homelessness, to fill key gaps in the substance use treatment ecosystem. However, none of these interventions address the root causes of homelessness, which is lack of affordable housing. Y'all need to underline that bolded underscored message in a bottle. And because structural factors drive homelessness, interventions must include not only addiction treatment, but also affordable housing, living wages, and a stronger social safety net. And that is coming from the from JAMA, J-A-M-A network. So if Vivek really did care about finding solutions to the problems, he don't have to come up with ideas themselves. There are experts who work on this every single day. They have the solutions out there, but that's not what he cares about. He cares about making a mockery, putting these people suffering on display and using them as pawns in his pursuit to become president of the United States of America, which he will not. Uh, Yasmin, any final thoughts? Yeah, you're, you're just so right. We know how to help poverty, we know how to reduce crime, and we know how to raise public well being overall. You have to take care of people, and you have to have systems in place that support people as they try to help themselves. And you have to give people opportunities to do exactly that, to help themselves and to create dignified lives for themselves. But Republicans don't like those types of solutions because they have branded them as handouts. So. We're gonna get a lot of pushback for solutions like that. And they're much harder to implement. Yeah, they really are. I mean, it really, I mean, I just, it is the social safety net part of what they said. And it just seems like as a society, I don't know, yes, I don't know if we're colder and more callous than we have ever been throughout our country, at least over the last 50 years. Or is it more the, the, the advent of social media, the 24 hour news cycle that, that that has afforded us the opportunity, and I use that term loosely, to be more aware of what's going on. So has our callousness and coldness increased? Or is it the fact that we know more, more often, we can find out more quickly, and that we just say that this is par for the course? Are we becoming numb to the realities that people face every <laughs> single day? I mean, I think that if social media has taught us anything, it's that access to information doesn't necessarily mean that we'll know what to do with all that information. And even on social media, we're able to see people living lives that we would never have otherwise been exposed to. But that doesn't mean that we understand those people or their lives, but it might give us the impression that we do. So we make a lot of judgments about people that we don't know. We make a lot of assumptions about their lifestyles that we really don't have enough information to do so. And 
the end result, ironically, is that we are more divided because of it, I think. I think you could probably make an argument for the opposite as well. But in a lot of ways, it has just reinforced a lot of these echo chambers. You know, People look for people who already think and speak the way that they think and speak and feel. And at the end of the day, somehow we've become more divided even with all of this connectivity that social media has promised us. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And because people have amenity, you can have amenity mm-hmm. on social media. To me, it makes people more emboldened to be nasty, to be mean, to say those people. And if only they could pull themselves up by their bootstraps, if only they didn't become drug addicted, if only, if only, if only. And to pretend like we all have a level playing field. Every There is not a level playing field in, in, a, in America at all. Probably not in most countries, but certainly not in this country. Some people do have a head start. You know, you got a lot of people who are born on third base trying to tell other folks, or maybe on second base, trying to tell other folks how to make it home when in fact somebody else paved a greater way for them than others. But the fact that we collectively sometimes can be just really cold and callous and not putting ourselves in other people's shoes and having some compassion and empathy, that is the most troubling part of all of this. And Vivek and any and his elk, they are just reflections of that cold and callousness that is permeating our country, especially, I won't say exclusively, but especially on the GOP side. It is on full display, unfortunately. We're gonna go to some comments from our viewers. Me seven Medici, Nina Turner for president. Thank you, darling. I appreciate that. Octo Squiddles, <laughs> what a beautiful name. I don't fear mega right wingers because I don't understand them. I fear them because I do. I know that's right. Woo wee, you better just go ahead and make that plain. We got the real as dad, as dad. I hope I got that right. Political celebrity death match. Yeah, that's what the Bobert MTG thing was. You're right. And Paper Dragon, Nina, please talk to ALC about a ticket in 2028 with both of you. Well, thank you for that, darling. I appreciate that. And then our TYT member, Cyber Dragon Lord, Nina slash Yaz in 2024. <laughs> thank you for that. That would be quite a ticket, baby. I don't think they're ready for any of that. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> They not ready, they not ready, not worthy and not ready. Thank you all so much for your comments, we really do appreciate you. Oh, We got some good news to share with you, believe it or not. Maine, the state of Maine, paid family leave. There is a glimmer of hope for the people of the great state of Maine when it comes to paid family leave. Check out this headline, Maine legislature takes first step towards adopting paid family leave program. You guys can hear me smiling (laughs) through my words. The Maine Senate voted 22 to 12 along party lines. My smile has got a little smaller Wednesday to create a statewide paid family and medical leave program. Governor Janet Mills is still deciding whether to support the measure. What in the unholy hell? If passed by the House and signed into law by the governor, the program would place a new tax on most employee employers and employees to pay for a program that compensates workers for as much as a 12, 12 weeks of leave from their jobs. Workers could qualify for paid leave to take care of newborns, elderly family members for their own illnesses and a few other qualifying reasons. The Senate vote followed straight party line with Democrats in favor and Republicans opposed. The House is expected to take up the bill Thursday. I mean, how could you in all good consciousness be opposed to a bill that would help people like this? I just don't understand it. And the bill does incorporate compromises. On top of it, recommendations to make the bill more business friendly have been incorporated into the bill, including less generous benefit payouts and tougher eligibility requirements. Now, of course, the United States remains the only, did you hear me say only? You hear me talk about this quite often, the only industrialized nation without paid sick or family leave. Why is that? Because we're hegemon. And we're supposed to be the greatest nation on the face of the earth, yet we do the least for our people. Yes, the United States is the only industrialized country to not guarantee paid family leave. Now, why do we wanna be number one in that? Only seven other countries in the entire world don't guarantee 
any paid family leave to at least mothers. Yasmin? Yeah, you know, I was watching an interview this morning with President Obama, and I'm paraphrasing, but he was talking about how. It's always a good thing when things get better, even if it's just a little bit, even if small changes are in small places are happening, because those very small changes can make a world of difference for the people who are affected by them. And he's right. And then there's the added possibility that these ideas and initiatives spread, which they so often do. So I think it's easy to get down about the news or about the way things seem to be going. And even when things are good, it's easy to think, you know, this is too small, it's not enough. But no, we are celebrating this as a victory and we are spreading it. And it's like what you were saying, you know, this isn't really such a radical thing to need or to want in this country. The nature of work in this country tends to work in opposition to family life and personal autonomy and mental health and physical health and so many other things. It shouldn't be a radical thing for Americans to have things that people in so many other countries have, but it also shouldn't be a radical thing to prioritize humanity over capitalism. It kind of goes back to what we were just talking about with compassion and empathy. This is such basic humanity and goodness. This is what we need more of. Yeah, we do, Jasmine. And not and, and not only that, but we know if you have paid family and medical leave, if we if you have or we have universal health care, it really drives down the cost. It will increase worker productivity. I mean, it is an investment, but it is really a win-win. There are all kinds of studies out there that that prove this out. This is not just me saying this or you, you know, both of us. We support these things, obviously, there's no doubt about it. Definitely support these things, but this is not just about our support or us saying this. There is empirical data out there that proves this point. And why is it? I mean, to be a hegemon nation, to be the wealthiest nation on the face of the earth. You know, it would be one thing if we didn't have the resources to make these items a reality. We do these variables, these policies a reality. We have the resources to do it, but refuse to do it. That's number one. And then number two, not to take into account, even if you're the moral side of the ledger, even if you're not one that you really don't care whether this is morally right to do or not. On the economic side or the financial side or the investment side of the ledger, this these types of policies are a good return on our investment. You wanna talk about being fiscally responsible? These programs are indeed fiscally responsible. Yeah, I think that's what always kind of baffles me about the fact that there were a handful of Republicans who voted against this measure because of exactly what you were saying. We have the data that supports all these points that you were just making. We know that happier workers make make more money, they're more productive, they're better for business, they're more cooperative to work with, all these things. And yet we still refuse to invest and, you know, and in the grand scheme of things, it's probably not even that significant of an investment. It's the least you can do for people and it would make such a big difference. And not only that, but people would have more money to spend and they would be happier. That also helps keep the economy going and keeps everything functioning. You know, we can't just have a country full of broke people and some billionaires. Who's going to buy all the stuff? You know, that's it. So, like, it. it just makes so much sense. I don't really understand opposition to it except for on really strange ideological grounds. But unfortunately, that's what we see a lot from the Republicans is that they vote based on an ideology that really makes little sense to a lot of people. And you know, when some of the polling shows, I mean, right, it's a difference between how they're polling and how they vote. But yeah. many Republicans support these kinds of programs. Americans across the ideological spectrum want mm -hmm. to see government take a bigger role in healthcare. Most Americans want to see us have paid family medical leave. I wish that our Republican sisters and brothers and family and friends would vote that way as well. I mean, it, it just, it really makes no sense. And it's, it's immoral at this point, it comes to morality and it's just totally immoral. We're gonna go back to our, our, our viewers, Yasmin. We got Winston Sayer, social media exacerbated a horrible reality that was already there. We hear you, Winston. Michael Gonzalez, Italy gives mothers three months leave. Good on you, Italy. And there are movements afoot. I know when we think about maternity leave, we often only think about the mom. But now in the 21st century, you have people talking about moms and dads and knowing how important it is to have maternal and paternal yeah. family leave. It goes hand in hand. Both parents should be able to take off I and to be with In Canada, their they get a year even. 
For maternity wow. leave. I don't know about paternity yeah. leave, but I, I think in Canada it's a year. And I it's think a, they, they want more. They're complaining they want more time. They want more. I don't yeah. blame them. Get more. I'm, but it helps, right? The parents are healthy. It helps the child be healthier. And it's a long-term investment yeah. for the child and for their family and for the community. Again, it's a win-win for everybody. We got Sucky Dragon, Turner, ALC. <laughs> 2024. Thank you, Sucky Dragon. On YouTube Super Chat, Haunted Dragon. Haunted Dragon. I love it, baby. Nina has my vote. Thank you, baby. I appreciate that. Corporations ate my baby. Hey, darling. Pay family leave should be national policy. Yasmin and I agree with you 150% on that. And Tony45, F you too. Marine. Is 90.5% or excuse me, I'm sorry, not Marine. Maine is 90.5% white. Well, I got you, Tony 45. They deserve it too. Let them have it too. Yeah, we want all the states to follow Maine, regardless of the population. But we read New York. Just, I just read that, baby, but I got you. Mo Fury, hey Mo, it's been a minute, baby. Our TYT member, Republicans vote against helping people because they look at mirrors and they think. They're looking out windows. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Asmin, that was pretty profound. That's good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that too. Okay. Go ahead on Mo Fury. You wasn't around, baby, but you laid it out when you put it there. Uh uh Muda Muda Bib 69. I'm sorry, baby, if I messed it up. I know I did. I want less paternity leave for John Iderota. <laughs> Poor <laughs> for anyone. Why are you doing that to John? We love our John. Oh my God. Well, Yasmin, it was so wonderful to have you back on Unboss. We can't wait till you come back again. And to all of you who joined Yasmin and myself today live, thank you so much. For those of you who will be watching us on video on demand, we appreciate you. Don't forget you can catch us wherever you get your podcast as well. Well, this has been a rip roaring show, baby. We went down the petty brick road today. We also talked about more serious stories. We appreciate you and we'll be back tomorrow. Now you know what I want you to do about this time. I want you always, always, always baby to keep the faith. You got to marry that faith with a whole lot of fight until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.